0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Good afternoon and good evening, my fellow Liberty lovers, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from. I'm Amber S. Bringing you a vision of living a life with freedom, and what it can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, in an everyday life. This show, again, is brought to you by Living with Freedom Ministries, an unincorporated private ministerial association, where I help people discover and fulfill their God-given purpose, specifically through the creation of their own private member or ministry association. As you listeners are probably well used to by now, I like to start the day out with a word of the day and a national holiday of the day. Since the holiday of the day is kind of a big one, like an unsung hero kind of thing, Um, I'm going to hold off on that just a little bit. We're going to start out with our word of the day, which is the word about. Yes, A-B-O-U-T, about. And I'm going to remind you that the reason I am bringing you the word of the day according to Black's Law Dictionary, and right now I'm specifically using the 1990 version or edition of Black's Law Dictionary, The reason it's so important is words have meaning, but we also apply meaning based on our own perspective or our own experience and our own knowledge and wisdom. So when we realize that we get to determine or we have a say in the meaning which we give to a word, it gives us a lot of power. And it also gives us a lot of power to question The meaning that others are applying to a word and specifically I'm referencing the fact that a case and I I don't remember the exact one I should pull it up so I can um, reference it and cite it better but I do know that there has been a case at least one where it was basically dismissed charges charges but like the case was dismissed because The defendant was questioning the use of the word is, I-S, in every instance it was used in statements by the, um, you know, by the petitioner, by the person bringing, bringing the suit. Isn't that powerful, you guys, how we can question a simple two-letter word, or even the word uh, um in one of our first episodes where I started sharing a word of the day, I mentioned that the word a, uh, one letter, has at least three different main meanings. And that you can then question the use of that word in every instance. And I'm not saying it's going to win a case, but it sure as heck can get a case dropped because of the hassle of having to go through describing and explaining, you know, the usage. So words are powerful. Words have so much meaning, you know, that I, I kind of hate the whole sticks and stones and break my bones, but words may never hurt me. Because when we're talking the legal system, the, the law system, the court system, words can actually have a compounding effect on our lives and a significant impact on our lives because some words spoken by a judge or written on a piece of paper by a judge has such a such an impact in everyday life for the people who are in that situation that it's so important to take back the power of our words. So anyways, back to the word about. This definition is a little bit long because there's a, a different component but that's really why I want to focus on it today. So here we go. The, the definition of the word about is near in time, quantity, number, quality, or degree. Substantially, approximately, almost, or nearly. So a lot of those are, are kind of synonyms. It goes on to say, when used with reference to time, the term is of flexible significance varying with the circumstances and the connection in which it is employed but its use does not necessarily render time immaterial nor make a contract nor make a contract one terminable at will my dog must hear something outside <laughs> in a charter party about to sail means just ready to sail And and we're used to that, you know, we're about to do something. We're just ready to do it. So that makes sense. With relation to quantity, the term suggests only an estimate of probable amount. Its import is that the actual quantity is a near approximation to that mentioned. And it has the effect of providing against accidental variations. And then it cites a case. It may be given practically the same effect as the phrase more or less synonymous with on or upon as an offense of carrying concealed weapons so if it's on or upon or about one's person that's what they're talking about nearby close at hand convenience or convenient of access and that's the same um, context with carrying concealed weapons another reference is as number it merely implies an estimate of a particular lot or class and not a warranty or or a confirmation in connection with distance or locality the term is of relative significance varying with the circumstances so you guys can see that when we're using the word about in these different contexts it has so much Power to know which meaning is supposed to be used and if it's relevant or not to be more or less specific about <laughs> why they're using the word about. <laughs> um, yeah, that gets a little punny when we're using the word to describe the word. So it's just fascinating. So that one's a pretty easy one for the day. Pretty self-explanatory, I think most of us already have a concept of what the word about means in these different contexts, but it's nice to have an actual definition that you can turn to, to explain it. Um, I I know a lot of parents that I work with have mentioned not letting their teenagers get access to black law dictionary because they will become the best um, debater of, you know, why they should or should not do something. (laughs) and the meaning of things that we as parents say and i agree but i also think that it's wise to teach our kids these these skills and this knowledge um it creates so much wisdom that's so so severely lacking in the world today so that's the word of the day the word of the day is about brought to you by blacklaw dictionary and my own amusement Now, the holiday of the day is Individual Rights Day. And it's to honor John Locke. Anyone who's been a freedom fighter for any amount of time or a liberty lover or probably even a medical freedom, you know, fighter or advocate has probably heard of John Locke because of his work in terms of Of arguing for individual rights as being inalienable um, of you know an inalienable right of every human being um, you know and so on John Locke was born August 29th and let me see if I have a year he was born August 29th 1632 in England Um, I'm not going to give too much away in terms of kind of his history because we're going to be bringing on my friend Sarah P. She's been on a couple times to join me because she's a constitutional scholar as well as, you know, very quickly becoming an expert, in my opinion. Um, Take that with a grain of salt or not. (laughs) She's very quickly becoming an expert in the founders and framers of our country. And that does not just mean the people who were here in our country signing the Declaration, signing the Constitution, and being president. John Locke, for instance, was absolutely a framer, someone who we framed our concepts on because he was a forefather in these concepts. Um, And as we've discussed before, the United States of America and the collective well, the I'm I'm not saying United States of America as the country. I'm talking about the collective of states when I say united in this context. The collection of states in our country and their creation of of the central government was by no means a random. Um. Uh, what's the word? I just had it experiment. It was not a random experiment. Anyone who studied this knows that our founders and framers took over 700 years worth of history and learned the lessons from it and took the best of the best and the lessons from the worst of the worst and combined it into what we have today through our founding documents. That includes our Declaration of Independence. It includes so many other things, including, obviously, our Constitution and our Bill of Rights. It also includes a lot of these other documents that we've never heard of, including most of the ones that Sarah going to bring up as we talk about John Locke. Um, I do, and I did not warn Sarah ahead of time, <laughs> but I do have a, because um, she sent me her note, she um, wasn't sure she'd be feeling well today, but she is. So thank God for that. Praise God for that. Um, but I do have a couple of things I want to insert for you guys to kind of add on to what she's written um, for for our talk today. Um, specifically, a couple quotes um, and and some other goodies like that. So without further ado, I think we're going to start um, just by giving Sarah a quick little introduction of why she is interested in joining me on this topic, um, and then we'll cut to an early commercial so we can do a longer second segment. Hello? All right. Hey, Sarah, how's it going? Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. Can you hear me?
2: Yes, I can, and I'm doing very well. So. <laughs> I wasn't, wasn't sure how I would be feeling today, but um, pregnancy has been an interesting
1: experience this time around. <laughs> so.
2: mm-hmm.
1: I can so. imagine. I can imagine. Yep. Well, I'm glad that you're feeling well enough to join us because, I mean, I could have, I'm, I'm grateful that you're a note taker because I I could have mm-hmm. done it. But I'm grateful to not be doing this one on my own because I think you're going to bring so much more passion and enthusiasm to this one, then I think I could do justice to, just because you've studied this like firsthand, you've dug into these writings that he's done. Mm -hmm. And so you, you know, it much more intimately than I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He's one that I'm still learning
2: a lot about. So this is, I'm I'm by no means an expert on Locke, but, um, one, one of the writers that, um, like you said it def- he definitely influenced very strongly the founding fathers and um and yeah, so his life
1: his life was absolutely fascinating so
0: mhm
1: yeah, and I actually um I tried to pull up nationaltoday.com, dot com which is what I normally use for pulling up the holiday of the day um but for mm-hmm. some reason the entire website is down, but the reason I wanted to bring it up is um it specifically referenced how progressives are are largely using or or leaning on John Locke too which I find quite fascinating because he's so faith-based in his in his writings and so yeah. um conservative in that way so I think it's really fascinating um you know that there's some you know progressive philosophies that are leaning on his writings, and I, I guess I did not expect that. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that or not, but um, it was yeah, just a so fascinating thing that I mm-hmm. read.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, that's um, so that it is an interesting thing because he is still so influential in the West. He's diminished a little bit, but um, but yeah, the, that was one kind of strange aspect of it that people. And this goes back to—I mean—a lot of people use um, like the the marks and and all of those—and kind of put them together, <laughs> um, kind right. of put, put a little bit of, of Locke into marks And if you if you truly know Locke and are truly not just getting an opinion from somebody else on who Locke was and what he did, you would know that they they don't those two don't add at all but unfortunately given the state of our education they're getting bits and pieces of lock which uh-huh. when you can, i mean you could, you could pull things out of marks out of context and go oh yeah totally we could use this right for the conservative side yeah um but um, but it's it they're taking bits and pieces and they're completely erasing the aspects of it that had to do with there is a natural law and it is Founded by a creator god (laughs) and you can't you really can't divide up his beliefs from from that aspect of it that foundation so but yeah yeah, it is really strange in a relativistic and godless society that we're hearing people talk about Locke as if oh yeah he totally you know he totally gets us and you're like
1: no you don't get him (laughs) right yeah and I as I was reading what you were writing and I, I possibly some other things too, as I was preparing for today, um, I also saw note that um, some things that he had said or, or I guess rather maybe stood for was mm-hmm. also kind of a catalyst for the French revolution, which again was very like godless. And
0: yes. um, so
1: it was very, t- you know, very much taken out of context. So I, I agree. I think that's, such a huge thing. And we see it in our churches today too of taking things out of context, nitpicking verses that sound and feel good to, you know, yep. kind of fulfill our own agenda rather than getting into the true context and seeing what lessons it's trying to actually teach us.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah, so they,
2: they, you know, the French revolution, they wanted the rights, but they didn't want the responsibilities that went along with it. And I think right. that's where we get you know, so wrong is that he says you can't have these rights without without responsibility. And and I know we've talked about this in many different conversations, that those two are so intertwined. Um, yep. But well, unfortunately, who, who many right? movements today mm-hmm. uh, take the, that idea of right, rights. But, say, I just want – and, like I said, l- the licentious behavior of his day, of Locke's day, he hated that because he's like, but that's not what rights are, right? <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. Again. Yep.
1: Well, and who is it that kind of coined the um, definition of liberty being freedom plus morality? Do you oh,
2: gosh. Who, um I don't know who coined it, but I do know a lot of founders talked about it. Locke was definitely one of the ones who talked about liberty and, and morality being going hand in hand. Um, he talked mm-hmm. about that in his um, letter on toleration, concerning toleration, where he's talking about religious freedom. Um, uh, okay. John Adams spoke about that, about how the Constitution is only for a moral and religious people. It's not effective for any other, right? <laughs> because, because he understood yeah so a lot of, I'm trying to remember
1: I I, guess, yeah, I could not the tell only, you I'm gonna to have to back because the very first time I heard that specific like uh, definition for lack of a better word mm-hmm. um, was used in Chris Ann Hall's course and mm-hmm. I'm sure that she was quoting or referencing someone or some resource so I'll definitely have to go back and find that because I see i have made a graphic for social media actually super rudimentary,
0: hey.
1: but it literally just says liberty equals sign freedom plus uh morality yeah, and just having that reminder, you know so um and that's actually that ties into one of the quotes i I want to add into our conversation later um, It's kind of a long quote, so I hope we'll have time but i thought it was super relevant in terms of what we're facing today um mm-hmm. specifically what we just talked about like our own interests and what we think our rights should be versus what they really are based on you know natural law um exactly so yeah well it's yes. it's 2:20 central time let's let's pause for our commercial here quick and then okay. um let's kind of dive into what you what you've got okay Okay. Okay. Perfect. I'm going to meet myself and bring on the commercials. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific time. For the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific here on Freedomizer Radio.
0: Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot right and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Hey everyone, come check out the Proof Negative Radio Show here on FreedomizerRadio.com Monday through Thursday, 9pm to midnight Eastern 6pm to 9pm on the Pacific Coast as we fight the New World Order and rock the health freedom world together. We talk a lot about the kingdom here and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say you must become a doer of the Word.
1: All right, and in addition to those, um, my shameless plug is actually not so shameless because it's not even mine. (laughs) I highly, highly recommend everyone starting this week and going through Constitution Week mid-September. I really, really strongly encourage you, if you haven't, to sit down, take some time, and read the Constitution of the United States of America, read your state constitution. And if you haven't started yet, start to read your spiritual constitution, the Bible. Um, it's truly the most powerful set, those, those three things, it's truly the most powerful set of guidance that we can possibly use for living our lives with freedom. And that's that's something I'm super passionate about. So with that being said, I'm going to bring Sarah back on, and we will deep dive into John Locke. All right, Sarah, you're
0: back.
1: All right. So
2: I'm not going to go through word for word all my notes, but I am going to kind of touch on some of the highlights of John Locke. Um, Yeah, okay, he, I, he grew up in a very fascinating time in English history, and I, I, as a lover of history, i it's not just American history that I love. So, um, mm-hmm. But this was um, the, the Oliver Cromwell years. So they were trying to go for more of a democratic approach or a parliamentary approach to government, um, and they ha- had multiple monarchs fighting back and forth over, you know, Protestantism versus Catholicism, so there are all these religious wars going on. So um, Cromwell kind of stepped up and said, "All right, I'm taking over. Guys. This is this is not this is not working well for our country." So um, the one interesting thing about Cromwell is, though he was a dictator, uh, his his belief in the idea of having more of a democratic process um, really did influence Locke, um, especially later on in a lot of his political writings. Again, we get back to his political writings, influencing the founders. So this was a a really, it's just a fascinating time in history. And it just, to me, was so cool because it's like, God can use even the worst of people, even the worst of dictators to, um, Mm -hmm. to, to move his purpose forward. Um, but yeah, anyway, so his, uh, his, His father actually fought against uh, against Charles I, who was the king at that time, um, uh, with Cromwell and and Parliament. And uh, he developed the idea very early on that monarchies um, are not divinely inspired by God. They're not given this divine right of kings, as as the saying goes. And Mm -hmm. so that that really played a part in how each individual person has self-governance. Um, nice. And that actually with the idea of our, the the concept of, of being able to own private property. Right. But you can't right. own private property. That. You know, <laughs> you can't own private property unless you yourself are your own, like you have ownership over yourself. Right. And so yeah. this, yeah. <laughs> no, I was, so, uh, was going
1: to so, touch on, um, I was actually going to touch on that because like um, when I, I'll admit when I, First, tried reading two treatises of government. I, mm-hmm. I could not get past like the first paragraph, which was like a page long. So I decided yes. to find it online and listen to it, and I still struggled mm-hmm. between the older English as well as the massively run-on sentences. Oh, but much, yes. <laughs> when you get through it, like you definitely get to understand that John Locke seriously puts the qu- puts to question the premise that there is a single human being that could even possibly be supreme ruler of all the land. um, Rather than the idea that each man is the ruler of his own or his or her, you know, own domain. And like you said, that starts with your, your person. Um, And I I do appreciate that he does recognize the supremacy of God, our creator, um, and that God delegated to each of us, this power and this, um dominion over our own domain, over our own selves. Um right. but not, you know, power over any other perhaps, you know, obviously like our own family and it's not really even dominion, it's just leadership and, and guidance. So, yep. Um yep. So yeah, it's definitely a man before his time. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely,
2: yes, and and I mean these concepts were being argued and debated and were very, very controversial at the time. But but obviously, you know, in England at the at that same time, there was still this very strong push that that the king is the ultimate authority and that authority is given by God. And and so yeah, so to stay, to actually talk about these things, and he had to publish several of his pamphlets um, anonymously, or he could have very easily been. Um, imprisoned and beheaded because of because of it. So, yes, um, it it interests wow. me that you know nowadays we're always talking about being about consensus, right? And the 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 majority rule. Um, Locke was not like that. No, no, he, <laughs> he wasn't. Yeah, he he was not all for consensus. He didn't. It kind of disgusted him. So. You mean, he <laughs> so, yeah. he wasn't a fan of consensus science. Yep. Sorry not at all yeah. and and he I mean, that was his big big area of study was medicine, yes, but he, he wanted to be able to research and to learn um by you know reading yes reading and using information from others who'd come before him, but not to be stuck in that and so yeah, so that was um mm-hmm. he did he did get a medical degree
1: um can you and can you imagine? Can you imagine um John Locke going head to head with uh Neil uh what's his name? The New dude Brad that Tyson? Del Yeah. Can you yes. imagine? Ooh, he oh, he own Neil like <laughs> man. I mean, I I feel like Del Bigtree did, you know, an amazing job owning that <laughs> that <laughs> debate. But yeah. Anyways, but yeah. side side tangent yeah no, no not at all that it's,
2: it's great to bring but this is why we learn history so that we can actually see the things that are these are not new concepts, right This is not something new that oh this you know we we kind of get a little egocentrical in our in our time, thinking that this a these little? things have never happened before, <laughs> just a little no. Um, but no these these arguments have been argued since the dawn of time and um and just it 's so fascinating to read. Various educators and philosophers and all of these people who really thought through these concepts and and didn't just listen to the masses and the majority and, you know, just parrot everybody else. They actually have their own unique thoughts on this subject. So, yeah. So, yeah, so Locke was definitely one of those who thought outside the box, and, um, you know, he, I mean, he went right back to, right right in his treatises of government, he went right back to the very beginning of time with Adam, and talking about how this is not, all human beings were given dominion over the world, because we were created in God's image, because we were made, made by him, we are under his authority. And so he was saying that Adam was not given this divine right of Kings. His line was not given divine right of Kings. And so therefore this was never, this was never a concept that we should have adopted at all. So, um, yeah, but, exactly. and he, he, he talks about that a lot in his uh, thoughts concerning education as well, because he did not like the whole idea of this traditional form of schooling where there. I mean, he he grew up and went to school in this boarding school where they, it was it was tyrannical, <laughs> you know, and he yeah. hated school, but he still but he loved education, and that was the difference, right? He hated right. the traditional form of schooling, but he loved education. He did very well um, with his own education, but mostly because he went off on his own in many ways and and learned mm-hmm. from the classics instead. Really took his own education in um, in hand. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when you when I look at the list of things that you put down for everything he studied, um, oh, I mean, yes. I'll touch on them. I mean, he studied yes. uh, the biblical languages—Latin, Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. He also studied mathematics and geography, and obviously, you just mentioned before that he studied medicine too. Yes. Um, when you're and when you're studying these things, especially like, you know. Biblical languages, particularly mm-hmm. Latin and Greek, you also are going to be learning from the great philosophers. That's just a given yep. you yep. know um and I know it doesn't i I didn't read that here, but you know I'm just um you know i I'm expanding that because I happen to know it's it's their their orations were documented and are part of the great writings in latin and in Greek. Um, history so oh yeah,
2: yeah for sure and he, i mean while he did do a lot of reading in the modern philosophers of his time he mm-hmm. was he, he he did not he did not deny the ancient philosophers at all and their place in exactly in history so um you'll find that a lot of his so we're we, this is kind of pre postmodern philosophy but you're starting to see some of the philosophers like Um, Descartes and Bacon are starting to get into some relativistic philosophy and so a lot of his a lot of Locke's work went back to the ancients for 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 you know objective truth and so Mm -hmm. yeah so
0: yeah
2: and
1: I yeah so oh good well all I was going to say is um I definitely, as as I'm reading through the list of resources you shared of, of John Locke's, one of the ones, specifically since you have already mentioned, you know, the messed up corruption and, and disaster that <laughs> is our education. Um, one yeah. of the things John Locke wrote was some thought, it, it, the writing is called Some Thoughts Concerning Education in 1693. And yeah. I have not read it myself yet. I did look it up. And so there's a free resource. You can find it online. It's archive.org backslash details backslash some thought uh, or some thoughts. And then no, no symbols. It's C O N C zero zero lock without an E U O F T. So I will copy that into the show notes, but if you just type in some thoughts concerning education, John Locke, in a web browser search, you should find this free resource to find a PDF version of that writing. yeah So,
2: yeah.
0: And yeah, I like. That's,
2: that's- yes, I, I know it's very. Nice. A lot of these, a lot of these old, older philosophers and and um, scholars and things, you can find a lot of their their material free online, which. You know me and books. So I need to have a, a real copy, but <laughs> it is nice yeah. to know that we those for note taking and all that sort of thing. So,
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the quotes he says in some thoughts concerning education, he says, "The only de- defense against the world is a thorough knowledge of it." And how true <sighs> is that?
1: <laughs> we
2: we um we don't. Uh, we we don't know what we're not what what we don't know and when we're fighting for things that we don't understand then it it makes it a lot harder like fighting for our freedoms when we don't understand what that freedom is and what it comes with what responsibility it comes with and everything um, we we can definitely get lost in the shuffle so I think that's where yeah. a lot of people miss, miss out on his, what he's actually getting at is that. You have, to have, you have to be able to think for yourself. You have to be able to read and understand before you mm-hmm. can actually formulate
1: a good, solid basis for your foundation. <laughs> so. And that's where, again, like whether we're talking public school or we're talking the churches, that's where so many are falling short because we're not teaching our kids to, kids to be the critical thinkers and philosophers. We're teaching them yeah. to just listen and understand. Comprehend. Yes. That's it. Um, yes. And I, I'm actually specifically using the word understand because there is some truth to breaking the that word down to stand under mm-hmm. because you're you're yep. standing under this this knowledge that's being pushed on you rather than form you know standing on your own under you know yes. knowledge. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so. And it, could benefit so much from getting outside of these echo chambers of public school of you know christian school even i i'm going to add that in there um because i know so many people who have woken up to all this freedom stuff and realize our christian schools are falling short too yeah for sure and now it that just brings
2: us right into the next part when he was talking about what once once cromwell was was put down and the monarchy was restored, they had a lot of great advances in scientific research and stuff. The problem is during that time they also lost any religious um, yes. influence in in their universities and all the of morality. these changes happened in society that were it was the it was the the definition of freedom without responsibility right so this licentiousness this ab- just like anything goes, you only live one kind of a deal. And Locke yeah, didn't like that like, Yeah, exactly. you know that he was—he was like, "We can't." And, and look at how that came about. It wasn't because it wasn't because the monarchs came back. It was because we lost our religious foundation in England. And mm-hmm. so, you know, and and that he made that that point very clear. You can't like that. Uh, what is that quote that? um, you don't, before you change a boundary, understand why it's there, <laughs> and and that's what we've right. seen in our culture is that we keep pushing all of these boundaries out of the way or just tearing down the fences and foundations altogether, saying, "Oh, these are archaic and you know we don't need them anymore." We but they have no understanding of why they were there to begin with, and now we're questioning, "Well, why are our schools falling apart? Why why are mm-hmm. our, our kids in juvenile detention? You know, like why are our families not?" not whole and healthy, well, there's a reason for that, because we got rid of the very boundaries and foundations that were holding us all together. We're keeping civil society civil, right? So, um, yeah. you know, this, again, I'm, just what, of history.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't there a verse about, like, who actually gets into heaven and being like, through the eye of a needle or something like that? Because yes, um, there's like a big, yep. yeah, there's like a really limited scope on you know what the criteria is as well as you know the I don't want to say qualifications that's not the right word but basically what it takes and you know a certain former president that I know some people I'm just going to say it because we're all we're all fellow um, liberty lovers here Trump had mentioned something about you know we're not trying to keep people out we're just trying to make them use the door (laughs) yep yeah, that's why we have boundaries and walls around our homes. That's why we have, you know, yes. our personal yes. bubble space that a random stranger should not be crossing that line into my personal body space without my consent. Yes. Um, and yes, it, it exactly. goes back to John Locke <laughs> and, and beyond, yep. of course. Cool. But I mean, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it goes right into the first chapter of the treatises of government where he talks about this idea that um, that the government should not be this the product of force and violence. They never work out that way. And men need rules. But we 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 can't be beasts about it. Right. We, we must be restrained in that sense. But we can't. And that's coming straight from like you just hear that in the founders writings. Right. Because they knew Locke. And they're like, oh, so you look at Alexander Hamilton's first Federalist paper, and he's talking about that. We're 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 part of this great experiment. Are we going to continue with force and violence, or are we <laughs> going to restrain ourselves and find a way to use reason and reflection in order to yeah. govern our students, Right.
1: And that was um, two hundred fifteen years ago, and I've been saying the same stinking yeah. thing. Like I find, yeah, this is personal opinion. Yeah. Hate me or or you know whatever. But I despise, like, WWE, um, you know, any of that fighting and wrestling stuff on TV because, like, how barbaric are we trying to still be when we we have come so far in terms of our thoughts and our words to communicate and, you know, uh, all of these things and think critically, and yet we're still choosing to use this physical violence to, yeah. you know, to compete, to win, to just, oh. and yet you know, Alexander Hamilton <laughs> was making
2: well, these games artists. all over again. Yeah, oh, there, yeah. And, yeah. And Locke understood human nature. He wrote an essay concerning human understanding, concerning the natural law. He he understood human nature in its in its in its lowest form is always <laughs> going to. be – Really, it's who you put, who you surround yourself with. What, what books do you read? What, oh, where is that? Um, give me one second. Um, or if you read books. He says, we're like chameleons. We take our hue and the color of our moral character from those who are around us. And that's really, it goes back to again self-governance are we going to surround ourselves with people who have a strong moral fiber who have a a good solid foundation in in godly teaching even if they don't necessarily believe in god but they have a moral foundation that that yeah. is is logical and rational and what are we going to do with that you know are we going to surround ourselves with that or are we going to surround ourselves with men who behave like beasts basically so no. yeah Sure, yeah, it yeah, really yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah so yeah so so Locke was I mean he was very influential um even in the during the monarchy um and he helped with uh drafting a constitution for um Car- the Carolinas which are at that time were still um still part of the colonies of Great Britain so this was you know before pre-revolutionary war (laughs) um, where he, he um, drafted the constitution that really dealt with uh, granting religious freedom. This was a thing he didn't like Catholics at all (laughs) and nothing personal against Catholics, but he, he was very, very Protestant in his thinking. And so, but yet at the same time, he understood, and this came up again in his other um, concerning uh, letter concerning toleration um, that has to do with religious freedom, right? Where we, we have a right to worship God in our own way and in our own, t- in our own time and in public or private. Right. Where does that com- come in, in the founding fathers documents, <laughs> right? In our first, mm-hmm. first amendment, right. Right. Right, this, yeah. <laughs> the right of conscience. We, we may not agree with other people of religious bent of, of other religious bent, but we have that right
1: because that's been given mm-hmm. to us by God. Yeah. And something, um, I'm going to sort of jump back in terms of your notes and sort of touch more on that essays on the laws of nature. So yeah. listen, I looked up what those essays are titled and here's the list of titles. And then Sarah, if it's okay, I'd like to do a, uh, a quick reading on just a portion, you guys, this yeah. is a portion of the last of the essays. So, um, the first one, is there a rule of morals or law of nature given to us? He says, yes. Second one, mm-hmm. can the law of nature be known by the light of nature? And he says, yes. Mm-hmm. He said, he asks, is the law of nature inscribed in the minds of men? Yes. I think that's, that would be a fascinating one to touch on sometime because that's like that innate inner knowing, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The next one though, can reason attain To the knowledge of natural law through sense experience. Again, yes. Can the law of nature be known from the general consensus or consent of men? No. Are men bound by the law of nature? Yes. Is the binding force of the law of nature perpetual and universal? Yes. And then this last one, which I want to touch on, is every man's own interest the basis of the law of nature? No. No. the reason I find this one like particularly applicable for today is we keep arguing about, you know, what our rights really are and adding Mm -hmm. things like the right to not be offended and these these arbitrary things that are not actually right. Like they're just not, Um, they're just very, you know, self-interest based. So that's where this one comes in. So I believe at least in the, the reading that or the document I read from, I'm reading from page 207. Let me see what it was actually called here. Um, let me, I'm on internet archive, so it's that archive.org, but I like signed yeah. up. <laughs> um, and this one does say that it's essays on the law of nature. It has the Latin text of translation um, and transcription. Um, and it says it's by John Locke. So this was published later, obviously, because it's got the Latin to English translation. But anyways, so I copied my text here. So secondly, I'm, I'm reading now. Secondly, when we say that each man's personal interest is not the basis of natural law, we do not wish to be understood to say that the common rules of human human equity and each man's private interests are opposed to one another for the strongest protection of each man's private property is the law of nature without the mm-hmm. observance, um, observance of which it is impossible for anybody to be master of his property and to pursue his own advantage. Hence, it'll be clear to anyone who candidly considers for himself the human race and the practices of men that nothing contributes so much to the general welfare of each and so effectively keeps man's or men's possessions safe and secure as the observance of natural law nevertheless we do deny that each person is at liberty to do what he himself according to circumstances judges to be of advantage to him um yep. there's there's a, a couple more sentences here and it's, it's just so applicable to today i just want to like you know modernize the language and like say like this is what john locke says in you know common common vernacular but uh, yep. <laughs> he goes on to say, "You have certainly no reason for holding that, for holding that each person's own interest is the standard of what is right, just and right, unless you let every single man be judge of his own case and himself determine what is in his own interest, seeing that no one can be a fair or just appraiser of another's advantages, and you deceive a man with what is only semblance of utility." if you say he's permitted to do what's useful yet would allow another man have the, to have the power to determine what is and what is not useful. The point of the question is precisely this. Is it true that what each individual in the circumstances judges to be of advantage to himself and his affairs is in accordance with natural law. And on that account is not only lawful for him, but also unavoidable. And, that nothing in nature is binding except so far as it carries with it some immediate personal advantage. It is with this we deny for three reasons. And I will not go into the three reasons because each reason is at least two pages long. <laughs> yeah, he <does>. He expounds. <laughs> and I find this, this writing I found relatively easy to read. I mean, especially as you're reading it out loud, you, you can actually hear mm-hmm. the inflection with all the commas. Yes, most yep. of that was about, like, four sentences. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah. he, I, I will say he was pretty good with his um, punctuation in terms of commas. <laughs> so
2: yep. at least there's yep. that. Um,
1: but the reason I wanted to read this is today we argue so much about, you know, everybody else respecting my right. To the point, yeah. it overreaches and impedes on somebody else's right. And right. he's saying, no, that's not the case. Like, you have your rights, but there are certain limits to those those rights. Um, and yes. then he does go on after that to explain what those limits are, um, but that either we have limits based on natural law or each person just gets to run rampant and free but then they can't be held accountable, you know, if they hurt someone else because of of their interests. So. Well. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the, that I mean that really goes into his concept of the the right of property starting with yeah you know, owning themselves because again mm-hmm. it goes back to that if if we own ourselves that that gives us a responsibility over ourselves right we have to that's yep. who we need to be focused on that's the only part of part of the world we can control we can lose property we can gain property we can you know lose rights and gain rights according as far as as far as according to governments taking and you know that sort of thing even though we don't technically <laughs> but but ultimately it comes down to what are we going to do with ourselves first and if we're not thinking that out you know and 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 also putting it in line with because we are owned by God and he's given us liberty over ourselves, then, you know, so
1: you can't separate those two things out. (laughs) It just doesn't work. Although I think you're probably going to step on some feelings just now when you said we're owned by God. Well, I mean, you know, it we, we are his creation
2: and I know, creator. No, <laughs> it 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 is hard to look at that, but but it comes down to the authority. Whose authority are we under, right? And and ultimately, we are under God's authority, and then we are under yes. our own authority, and then we are under government authority on different levels, right? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we people. I mean, and I think that's that's one of the bad things that has come out of this relativistic society this idea that you know it's my truth your truth their truth whatever is right. there's no foundation for any of this but, mm-hmm. so we have to try to justify our rights without the basis for those rights and and you i mean ultimately the, mm-hmm. the logical outworking of that leads us to anarchy and nihilism and just a completely meaningless purposeless
1: life right, right. so yeah it, and, it, it, and the sad part is like at surface level Things like anarchy and, and, you know, everything you just said don't sound like bad things. Just like the you know, the way certain things with socialism are presented, depending how it's presented, they don't always sound like bad things, but that's where oh, you, no, you have think an
2: you're dressing person. Dressing. Yeah, exactly. No, I was just going to say, they dress them up very nicely. They'll make yeah. it look really appealing. I mean, who doesn't want to, you know, be part of a community and everybody share what you have and those types of things. The problem is, is we're not taking into account human nature. And, and there's a whole lot of problems with who's. And this, Oh, this goes back to another quote. He said was the idea that, um, Oh, where, where is it? He says, the great question which in all ages has disturbed mankind and brought on them the greatest part of their mischief has been not whether there be power in the world, nor whence it came, but who should have it, right? That's where we get down to things like socialism, which sound really good, but are are immoral, ultimately, because the power rests in the hands of a few hu- fallible human beings, rather than in the hands of God. So,
1: Yeah, I mean, if anyone has ever said growing up or as an adult, like, who died and made you king, (laughs) you know, that is the exact reason why these things don't work. And it even goes back to the Israelites begging God for a king because that's what the other nations of the world were having and doing in their, you know, Mm -hmm. governance. And so, I mean, this goes back to biblical times, you guys, where yep. they, want to, they want to slough off respons- self-responsibility onto yep. one ruler and king so that if that king, you know, messes up and doesn't yep. enforce whatever, then they have someone to blame. You know, then they're just, we really have no one to blame except ourselves and yes. that that's a sad truth that a lot of us struggle to acknowledge. I mean even those of us who are kingdom citizens and you know claim that delegation we all still yes. struggle with the with the fact that we still have to be responsible for ourselves. It sucks being a grown up sometimes, y'all. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But the reward is so great when you see the purpose of it all. And that's, I exactly. think that's something you get into a little bit later here, too, is, like, God-given purpose. So, like, I, I don't want to jump ahead. Yep. But, um oh, actually, do we have a good pause point here so we can do a quick commercial break? Yep. Well, okay. We can jump into God-given purpose when we come back. Okay, perfect. Let's do that. Well, if my commercial links want to work, hang on a second. Let me see if this one will work. Huh. Well, apparently my commercials are not working. So I'm just going to do a couple verbally. And um, Freedomizer Radio, I apologize that I'm not able to do a second commercial break with the ones that we have recorded. Um, it's I'm hitting play and it's literally not playing. So... Anyways, um, those of you who are listening in for the first time, this is the Living with Freedom show on Freedomizer Radio. I do the Living with Freedom radio show on every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific. And we have many other shows. If you go to freedomizerradio.com, you will see the list of our other shows as well as the schedule of when. We have our shows. You can also go back and listen to archived episodes. Um, one of the resources I absolutely recommend pretty much every, every radio show is this course called How to Win in Court Without a Lawyer. And especially because today we are talking about our individual rights, um, you know, and, and celebrating John Locke and everything he did to honor and um, argue for our individual rights what better way than to actually learn how to defend those rights that we're learning about? So you should not have to rely on, you know, a lawyer who is part of the bar, who is not even going to fight for you and your rights. So Dr. Grace put together this course, how to win in court without a lawyer to teach you what he's learned over as many years as a lawyer. So you can protect and defend yourself. Um, The link for that is how to win in court dot com question mark refer code equals sh0024 and I will bring Sarah back and we will just jump right in I'm back (laughs) all right (laughs) I love technology but (laughs) at least we have you know backup
2: (laughs) yeah for sure for sure all right. So we were
1: jumping into,
2: um, talking about, um, yeah, like God given uh, right. I mean, I know there's yeah. more here too, so
1: we don't have to jump yet right into that yet, but, um, definitely want to maybe we hit on that one. Yeah. Um, actually it's probably
2: a really good, um, good spot because we can kind of go back and forth if we need to, but, um, yeah. you know, he, we're, we're talking about the responsibility and, and all of that stuff and, um, Locke was, was convinced that there is a there is a workable dichotomy between our own free will and God's purpose and will for our lives. So, like, you know, we have arguments in the Christian sphere of, well, are we all just predestined and everything, you know, like we don't have any choice in the matter, or do we have free will and God doesn't, you know, isn't fully powerful. And, and so he was trying to get, get at the heart of, of what, what God gave us and how we can actually utilize our own reason and our own, um, our own ability to read the scriptures to, to actually fulfill the purpose that God has set us here for. And so his idea of our purpose was, um, that we were, that one, we're supposed to live according to Christ's teachings, right? We're supposed to believe in Christ and and live according to his teachings, but also that we, um, we practice them according to our own conscience, and it goes back to the idea of, um, of actually property, where he viewed property as anything outside of ourselves is the this, this surplus is something that we are given by God as kind of a blessing to utilize and, and, and to fulfill his purpose by giving to others, by sharing what we have with those in need, right? And so the, all of this stuff... Yeah. Really, just um, kind of it, it. Just it really just kind of kind of circles around, you know. It's it's, it's um, it does. just this idea that that everything that we've been given is given by God, and so He's given us all the tools that we need in order to to do what He has asked of us in the time that He's given. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, so yeah, so um, so there's no to Him there was no um, there was no like. Word no tension between our own free will and our duty to God because that they they both work work in tandem.
3: So Mm -hmm. and
2: he wrote that in um, uh, it it was one of his theology works actually he called it the reasonableness of Christianity and he was really really going into the idea of this Christianity is not an illogical blind faith sort of a religion and there is actually rationale for it. This <laughs> is you know, kinda of the whole idea of this is God's universe and he sets this up for us and so so he was trying yeah. to um trying to b- bring reason back because there again, at this time there was this idea of trying to make Christianity just this like, oh it's just mythology, you know, like a bunch of stories and they're great uh, great which yeah. we hear today. But Right. Exactly. But, but it's not, but it's not real. Right. It's not, there's no, there's no rationale for it. It's kind of like, uh, what is it? Marx? You said it was the opium of the masses. Right. So it it feels good,
1: but it's not necessary. Right. (laughs) So really.
0: And Um, so, you know,
1: John Locke, um, Sir William Blackstone Thomas Jefferson. I love that they married together the ideas of the, the law of nature as all, as well as, the law of nature is God, you know, God, yeah. our Creator, because yep. they do work hand in hand. If God is the Creator of everything, including nature, then yep. the law of nature really is the law of God, and the law of God is the law of nature. They're they're really synonymous, um, right? And so I love that they do marry the ideas together, and yet sort of recognize. And and maybe this was not the intention, but I'm maybe reading into it. But I do love that they recognize that not everyone currently believes in a higher power, or at least calls a higher power God. And still, even without that, we can still recognize that here on Earth there is a law of nature. It's just yes. how it is, kind of thing. And so it kind yes. of adds yes. depth by marrying the two together. Yep.
2: And I think that that went back to the idea because um, if you. Uh, a little bit earlier in our conversation, we were talking about his work on the Constitution for the Carolinas, where he, um, they gave mm-hmm. religious freedom to every religion except atheism, which fascinated so, me because he he considered atheism a religion, which a lot of people t- today will argue it's not, right? Because it's a there's no god, so obviously we don't. But but there is there is a religious aspect to atheism, but the reason being because. Anything that athe- atheism borrowed, or anything that atheism spoke of about morality, about you know the right of conscience, about about rights of anything, had to be borrowed from <laughs> from a re- from right. religion that had to, yeah, that it was centered on Christ. Centered. Yep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so so yeah, so the fact that he acknowledged that it was a religion, but that it was not legitimate because it was borrowing all of its belief system and And couldn't argue logically outward um you couldn't couldn't come to the same logical conclusion as as religions that had a basis in in a God right and so yeah, so that was really interesting to me
1: mhm, and just concern the entire topic of fulfilling our god given purpose like I love that you use that exact verbiage because that's people who have been you know hearing me from back when I was doing more Facebook lives all the way to now, like Mm -hmm. that is central to my purpose for doing all the things I do is helping others discover and fulfill their God-given purpose through living with freedom. And part of that freedom is through reason and using scriptures. Like that entire thing Mm -hmm. that you just said is like central to my core purpose in life. And I think at its core basic level it probably is for a lot of us, especially Kingdom Citizens, because you know, we have different flavors of it. Like for me that's doing, you know, helping write PMAs, that's helping do mm-hmm. the stuff that's doing with the radio show even. And um, you know, for others that might be getting personally involved in politics. Um for mm-hmm. me it hasn't gone that far yet. I don't know what the future will hold, but it hasn't yet. And I still recognize that even if it doesn't, it's still helping, you know, forward the mission of, of, you know, the kingdom of heaven and being a kingdom citizen. It's just we all have our own purpose. Yes, and, and that goes exactly to what
2: John Locke was saying about the idea that we all, we all can find that God-given purpose. Through those basic things, through through our own reason, our, our the ability to use our own minds, and through the use of scriptures, we we definitely are able to um, grasp and accomplish <laughs> the purpose that these given us. And and how amazing is that? That it, it it doesn't look the same for everybody, right? It, it goes it goes right into that idea that everybody's purpose is different. We've all been given a different set of tasks and abilities and skills, and he's given us everything, all of the tools that we need to accomplish exactly what he wants us to accomplish. And so in one sense, it's easy, mm-hmm. you know, because, mm-hmm. because we got it. we, he's, he's, it's, it's already there. It's laid out for us. And yet at the, in, the, in another sense, it is hard because our own human nature often fights back against it. Right. Yep. <laughs> this,
1: is, this is how I say it. Um, whether it's taking back your health or what we're talking about here, Often it's very simple, but it's not always easy, because simple right. and easy are, are sort of separate. Like when you're building a new habit, whether it's reading your Bible every day, or, or working out, or eating healthy, or, or you know, um, defending your rights and liberties. Mm-hmm. Every habit requires, you know, that dedication and commitment. Which, as a human who really likes to eat Oreos and Lay's chips, not you know, not together, but. <laughs> Um, you know now I'm getting hungry sorry (laughs) okay who likes to lay in bed more than she likes to go for a walk how about that (laughs) Um, you know I am not immune to the temptation to not do these things and yeah um, yeah so it's oh shoot I
3: he, he know actually know says something about
2: it. Yeah, yeah, he actually says something about that. It's a little bit more, um, uh, it, it's talking about the state of nature, right? And he talks about this, though this be a state of liberty, yet it is not a state of license. Though man in that state have an uncontrollable li- liberty to dispose of his persons or, possess- or possessions, yet he is not liberty to destroy himself or so much as any creature in his possession, right? So he's talking about that very thing, like, yeah, we've got the liberty to be lazy and just eat whatever we want and not care, but ultimately we don't, like, that, that's not something that was given to us by God. That's not a right of ours to destroy ourselves. You know, he talks about mm-hmm. the God, you know, God creating us as his temple. What do we do with the temple? We take care of it. We, we honor who we are worshiping in that temple, right? And so could go that way, but ultimately that we're not really at liberty to do that because we've not been given that right by God. Right.
1: I'm glad you knew where I was going with that because I, I had a purpose for taking things that direction and then it just
0: poof <laughs> gone.
1: <laughs> no nope. I, I was like I was tracking. <laughs> you were picking up what I was putting down. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um Let's, let's see. Um, I, I would love to touch on um, kind of what you did at the very end, talking about the words we hear today and, and kind of building on that a little bit. Um, yeah. And then I don't know, I didn't ask you this ahead of time. So if not, that's totally cool. But do you have like just a list of at least maybe his most um, significant writings? Um, or should I just kind of read through the list in your, um, right up here? Um, so
2: the, those were the ones that I picked because those were the ones most known. Um, okay. so, uh, so yeah, we talked about the treatises of government. We talked about the understanding of, uh, of human nature, of, of human understanding. Um, let me see. He, let me look and see if There's there was anything the that I hate, might have seen.
1: Love nature and yep um concerning his understanding was 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 one of his
2: big ones um the two treatises of government really delved into the nature of civil government and and where that starts and you know it went from self-government all the way up through the the ranks of different different levels of government um his some thoughts concerning education was huge because he really dived into um what kind of education was act, actually efficient and, and people taking responsibility for their own education was, was big. The two big points in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. And then the reasonableness of Christianity, those, so those were the big ones. And then um, on uh, the letter on toleration, um, oh. that was the other one that i mentioned, And yeah. that one had more to do with religious, religious freedom, not just, not just concerning christianity itself although so here's the here's the fun fact about a lot of people who talked about religious freedom back then were not talking about religions all over the world as if they were all equal they were I and mean, we're talking about western culture they were talking about christianity but in its many flavors so a lot of people get a lot of people get that wrong nowadays and they, they go, Oh, religious liberty for all. Well, it, you can't have religious liberty for all in anything other than a Christian, uh, in in anything other than a Christian led nation, because Christianity is the only one that allows for people to choose for themselves. <laughs> and, um, all, all other religions are very intolerant of that. And they will state it very clearly in their, in their missions and things that you, you know, Oh, we see that sign all over the place, like coexist, right? Where it's the different religions and stuff. Right. Um, and so, it, it's fascinating to me that you know. This is very
1: ignorant thing, and it's yeah it's sad because don't, when you, when you talk to people like they, you know, often they'll say their religion is one of peace. And mm-hmm. yes, I do. On my limited knowledge of other religions, yes, there is an aspect of peace. Absolutely but it's limited and right. its scope when you actually really start to dig into it is is very narrow in terms of what right. this in being peaceful looks like um yeah I, I don't blame and i i will always stand firm on this i don't blame the general yeah. congregation or the general pract you know practitioners <laughs> of a particular religion yeah. because yeah. no one is Supposed, you know, supposedly the the quote unquote expert except those who created it, and so because everyone is fallible, everyone is human, um, we can only know so much, and right because no one is perfect, no one is completely one hundred percent sinful and and evil either. Yeah, you know, I will never blame an individual person, you know, entirely.
2: (laughs) and I mean that's.
1: That goes back to you know
2: you don't you don't judge a religion based on its followers but based on its founder right or based on its right. founding principles and so that's why I mean that's why you don't see religious toleration in an atheist communist community or, or nation because it is antithetical to religious toleration because their religion is their government and their god right um, and so. This, this this is so when 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 John Locke and other founding fathers are talking about religion they're really they are really talking about this is the this is the best way we can have religious freedom is if we have a Christian worldview at the center of our government and at our, at the center of our education at the center of you know all different aspects of life it's not saying that everybody has to be a christian it's right. saying that that's, that's the place where we ideally Life flourishes <laughs> because yeah, again, exactly. it, it's God's universe and He gets to make those choices, right? He gets to make those thoughts, So, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah. So um, he, that, yeah. Those were the main. Uh, those were the main um, writings that he okay. did. Um, they're pretty, pretty uh, in depth. Um, I know he had some smaller ones, but I, I haven't really dived into them yet because I'm still working wi- my way through the meat
1: of the bigger ones. <laughs> Right. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, Let me do something super quick. Um, I think we have. Yeah, we still have a few minutes here. Um, It looks like we have a caller with their hand raised. So let me bring them on. (laughs) I did not pre-screen them. So I apologize for not knowing your name. If you could introduce yourself first, that would be super awesome. Okay, you're hey, out. My
3: name's Pi Pianchi. My name's Pianchi. I've been listening to you guys while I was multitasking so since you mm-hmm. came on. But, uh,
2: thanks,
3: for, thanks for listening. Yes. I just wanted to to share some sources for on you when you started talking about educating your children. And that's something that's major important. It's one thing mm-hmm. uh, one main reason why come our society has up to the position where it is today with a lot of ignorant people who don't they don't know because they wouldn't talk but you know mm-hmm. on the subject matter about how we came about there's a uh, YouTube video called Oliver Cromwell
0: mm-hmm.
3: and that is something that you should watch Oliver Cromwell and Charles the First, King Charles I and it revealed a lot about how the present mindset along religious views and so forth came into into play. And did you know that the, many of the uh, people that were leaving England and, and shipping abroad, they were following Genesis 13 and 15, where mm-hmm. the in the Old Testament it talks about, I would give to you a land. And uh, yep. that's what they have in their heart. Yeah. So look at that. And, and, and one of them, I know you're running short. We have to teach our children the history of the United States.
0: Yeah. And there's
3: resources available now that's a lot easier to do this than what it was when I came up. You know, but oh, uh, yeah, they have to know this. They have to know the Constitution. Not only the, the original Constitution. But we have a second constitution that's based on court precedents, which should mm-hmm. not be. Yep. So uh just wanted to throw that in there real quick.
1: Yeah. yeah thank you so much for sharing those resources because um, I yeah, like watching you do that too.
3: Check out Oliver Cromwell. And another one is Athens, Tennessee, 1946. Athens, okay. Tennessee, 1946 and Oliver Cromwell check those out it makes a good viewing and uh, I can guarantee you that you'll have a show discussion on the two thank you very much yeah
1: thank you much have a good day awesome that was so helpful hang on one second Sarah um, do you want to kind of share your feedback on that I got to mute myself for a second Hello? Okay. So, um, yeah, so
2: he, he was spot on with that. Um, definitely wanting to look for um, for re- references to history that are kind of outside of the, <laughs> the mainstream because mainstream tends to do a lot of revisionist stuff. But, um, but yeah, um, looking up this information and finding out where we come from, finding out where a lot of these um, these ideas of liberty and freedom and religious expression and all of that stuff come from, they come from a long history. It's not something that just pops up out of nowhere in, in Western culture. I mean, these were arguments that were taking place way back when. Um, and so just getting to know different people and different events in history, you really see the thread of what God has been doing throughout history—the overarching theme of it—I um, mm-hmm. know some people call it a, a the golden thread or the scarlet thread of history. <clears throat> depending on who you're talking to, there is definitely connection. And and the saddest part about our culture today is that we are not making those connections. We're we're treating history yeah, as I mean. if it's not even not even teachable, and and just and 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 putting our own In on it and it's just it's so sad. I
1: just don't know how to call it. It's just
2: very hard
1: to see. Yeah, and you know maybe that's maybe that's sort of a mm, we'll just say a reason why I love doing these like random national holiday of the day things Mm -hmm. because. You can you can research the history of that holiday and boom, you know a little bit more about history. Like it doesn't have to be this boring thing anymore. We have like like our caller said, you know, there's a YouTube video now on this the whole thing with Oliver Cromwell and King Charles. And so you don't have to just yep. go sit and read a dusty book in the library anymore or even just on the internet. Like you can just watch a video um you know, about this kind of stuff and we are so <laughs> blessed with these resources. Yes. yes, it can also be a detriment too because it can be a distraction. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I, I um, was just gonna say. I was gonna say. Don't don't knock my dusty books. <laughs> oh no 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 no. I I, I know. no I wasn't. <laughs> I know. Um, oh, that's fun. But I mean, that's you know, that's kind of the perception sometimes when it comes to like studying history, and so just yeah. But um, you know, and for even just to think that like we have these resources for different types of learners um you know for me you know I love to read but I don't have a lot of time to sit down with a physical book and so audiobooks are a lifesaver for me um as much as I love my dusty books too (laughs) So. Yeah.
2: oh yeah there I mean there are definitely times times when I just want to sit down and watch a documentary or watch something or listen to something as opposed to opening up a book and that sounds kind of sacrilegious coming from me but but there, yes there are that that's one of the one of just think of how amazing a time we live in I mean we we talk so much mm-hmm. about how bad everything is and how just doom and gloom but we do live in a place a time where we have so many resources and so many things at our fingertips just just you know three four five hundred years ago you're looking at we didn't even have regular like libraries where you could you could access books for anybody who wanted to go in it was for the elite right and now oh. anybody can go into a library and find a book <laughs> and well, and yeah no, it's even
1: that, like I to to help um study for today and literally I did it this morning so I was studying today <laughs> um, I was pulling up the names of these resources you were sharing um, like the essays on the law of nature and mm-hmm. for a free account archive website you can mm-hmm. access and download like you can borrow for an hour and then you can always renew every hour basically indefinitely yes. um, these books online and for free like yeah what we have we can access both libraries actually um especially in the bigger areas um you can have a free online account to my understanding and download um and rent out numerous books from from your fingertips um so 2020 should have been no excuse um you know a broken leg should be no excuse a sore back should be no excuse or or being pregnant sarah has yeah. no excuse to go get books yeah exactly <laughs> yep. so yeah um let's see so i think do we still need to kind of touch on or i guess we don't need to do anything but <laughs> um would it be wise of us i should say To still kind of touch on those words that we hear today like social contract and and free will and all that stuff and sort of how it came about yeah so again all of these
2: terms were rooted we have to remember that they they were rooted in a very very religious mindset so when you know a lot of people talk about social contracts today as kind of these godless things that have nothing to do with personal responsibility and everything to do with conforming to the masses. That's not what Locke meant when he was talking about a social contract. Um, I, I know we talked about Neil deGrasse Tyson. He used that term, and I was just like, oh, my gosh, you were butchering it. <laughs> um, <Really? laughs> yeah, it was just, it was so, it was awful to listen to. But when, when when he was talking about a social contract, he was talking about the fact that, 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 that idea of that, um, was it John Adams or Madison? I can't remember which, who said that, you know, we are men are not angels and therefore we must be governed. And yet we're not angels. So we have to restrain government, right? And so this social contract came about with the idea that by utilizing the, the reason that God gave us and the scriptures, we would be able to form communities that agreed upon forms of government that would would be to the benefit of society as a whole. And so these social contracts came about. This is where this this phrase came about, was the idea that um, they are formed, and when they no longer are to the benefit of society, to to the benefit of individuals and society as a whole, we need to break them. (laughs) So... Right. So that was, that was where that came from. So it was not this idea that, oh, we just blindly follow whatever government's in charge because this is the consensus of the masses. No, that's not what a social contract right. is. <laughs> we, it's yep. a voluntary, it's a voluntarily giving up um, ourselves to a degree, but voluntary, again, <laughs> remember that word, that's very exactly. important, um, in, in order to benefit our community. So, yeah, yep. um, natural law, again, we, we talked about that a whole lot with the idea of that there is a, a, there's a fundamental creator who created the natural world, and therefore he set these natural laws in place. Um, he talks about natural law as being not just, not just what we see in nature, but human law is also under that natural law, right? Like human, or I should say human nature is under that natural law. Um, And so when we violate, how did I put it? Um, When we violate them, let me find it. Hold on (laughs) a second.
1: Um, Oh, you're good. Um, While you find that, um, I I think you touched on a really important point that this is all voluntary. And for something to be good for, you know, for the greater good or for, you know, the good of all he yep. means what he says it must be for the good of all not exactly. just a special interest group or not just for mm-hmm. you know those who are being favored at a particular time in history it's literally mm-hmm. meant to be for all so if it's not going to benefit all and if there are any exceptions to that all it should yeah. not be done um yeah, or that's, that's when you get to me. The, um,
2: the kind of butchering of the general welfare nowadays, the, the general welfare clause is being, oh, well, we, can, we need all of these special, special government programs. No, <laughs> if it does not benefit everyone in America, um, you know, one nation under God, if it does not benefit all of us, then it should not be government jurisdiction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, did you get that pulled up? We've only got about um, yeah. a minute to wrap that part up, and then I'll do my wrap up.
2: Yep, so um, this was going back to the idea that um, once we humans learn and reason through the laws of God and the natural law, any deviation from that, right, like neglect one's children, abuse one's children, break legal contracts, those types of things, those are violations of God's law, and then we're we are going completely contrary to our God-given purpose. So that's where it was, he was coming in with this social contract idea, was just this idea that it has to stem from the God-given purpose that we have.
1: Wow, yeah. I feel like um, we should make a a graphic on that one and blast it out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) It is. It is. And it's very applicable to today. So, um, listeners, we've only got about a minute left, so I'm going to do my wrap-up quick. Today we were focusing on the fact that today is individual rights day, a day to sort of honor John Locke and everything he did throughout his lifespan and everything that that influenced throughout history up to now to really argue for our individual rights and what our individual rights really are. Um, So we covered a whole plethora of things today in really a short amount of time. I'm proud of us for getting through everything that we did. Um, And next week is September 5th and I believe... In ni- uh, 1774, it's the first day of the First con- uh, first Continental Congress to um, start um, airing their grievances against the British um, government. So we are going to touch on that a little bit. And um, I have not talked to Sarah about this yet, but I'm for sure going to be covering this. Who knows, you know. <laughs> who knows what we're going to be talking about in in depth on that, but that's the general topic because that is the, you know, the celebration of the first day and it's that day of the week. It's going to be Tuesday. So have a great day. I will see you guys next Tuesday at 2 PM central noon Pacific time. And this is Amber S and Sarah peace signing off. Bye guys. Bye.